Hey guys, just jumping on here real quick to let you know that there's quite a bit of background noise in this episode. Um, one of those is our cat meowing, but you might hear other things like my dogs playing or a fire truck in the background as I live in downtown St. Paul. So I do apologize for that, but we have made significant audio improvements in the next episodes and I'm finally moving into my own house so we won't deal with a lot of the downtown city background noise that you have heard before. But anyways, wanted to thank you for listening and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. I told you I bought the baseball bat. It just showed up too. <laughs> it's awesome. Is it like a short one, like a stubby baseball bat? You can No, no. I got I made sure that it was um it's 34 inches, which I wanted a 35, but I wasn't going to actually spend that much money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think theoretically it's somewhat close to if I actually wanted to use it for baseball. That's awesome. My dad has he had like a really like a like a children's T-ball bat one time and they're like aluminum. And he called it the get the hell out of my house bat. Because it's like I mean, you can like really wield it with one. It's like a club. You can really wield it with one hand. Just I mean, swing I it can't around. say that wasn't why I bought this. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I was going to say, oh, you sound really good. Yeah. I got a mic. We got the same mics. Yours yeah. is better positioned. Lean forward and talk into it for a second. Hello, people. Oh, dude, you sound so much better when you lean. Like <laughs> it is night and day. <laughs> yeah i'm not a potato anymore i'm probably still somewhat potato because i'm not i'm not all the way up here talking yeah but. i can't wait until you take that leap and you actually start talking into it like i talking to mine baby steps we'll get there <laughs> the audience will enjoy it well guys welcome back to uh what is this episode oh geez uh 10 episode 10 of the ever bros podcast wow big yeah this is a milestone for us uh and uh and and we've been very consistent on releasing these but uh number 10 is uh it's actually a new concept to us that cody you instilled on and it's that not all clients are a good fit uh we've gone through a fair uh share of clients of ours that were very big they had a lot of money to spend and they were willing to spend it with us and we've gone through some prospects who didn't have a lot of money and initially we tried to sell them um and and get them to invest in us but ultimately it it turned out that a lot of these potential clients and existing clients weren't actually in our best interest to take them on in fact they hindered our business more than they helped them even though they were giving us money so to to put it in in a little bit of perspective our last couple episodes we've had getting clients to understand your value and essentially how to land your first sales and in those episodes we do kind of talk about hey we we kind of allude to what we're talking about today which is how not all clients are a good fit and you should position yourselves to a specific client base and um, we recently had to kind of redo or rethink how we attract clients and how i pitch our services but that all came from essentially february 2021 (laughs) Yeah, when everything went terrible, <laughs> when we blew up and then uh, found a lot of people who weren't great fits. Yeah, yeah. And the pursuit of, uh, you know, uh, more monthly reoccurring revenue without even thinking about the side effects of it. Yeah. And again, like, I think we go back to that a, a decent amount. And it's one of those things that, like, you can argue it both ways. But I really, I don't. Because that was also when I left my day job. Um, and it was 
hell and parts of this spring were hell again too and it, that's partly just the springs for us but you move fast and break things and then you learn things faster too right i mean if, if you aren't experiencing some of those things then you aren't having the opportunity to learn so i can't say i regret it um even if it did totally suck so i think sometimes you learn from the bad things probably learn more from the bad things right and that's when we realize that some just weren't great fits in multiple ways right yeah i've got a few of those ways written down so good yeah i I think the first one the the first way is if clients don't have the right expectations of your services and obviously this can be addressed in the actual sales process but i know there's a lot of sales guys out there there's a lot of seo guys or agencies and coaches out there that are just looking for sales uh, whatever sales they can get and they broaden their services so they can close more clients. But if you're not an expert, one, if you're not an expert in the services that you're, that you're pitching or that you're proposing, it's not going to be a good relationship and it's going to affect you in the long term. So what's important is setting is really setting the right expectations of what you do offer and who you offer it to. Because if someone comes to us and the first thing and the only thing they want is Facebook ads, we don't offer that. We don't offer that because we have no control over the website. If that's all they get, we have no control over landing pages. We have no control over any of the lower funnel uh, um, the targeting methods. And if their expectation is also coming to us and wanting weekly reports or uh, you know weekly changes, or they want to kind of dictate how we do ads, then it, it's not going to be a good fit because we are a very hands-off agency, which means we keep your hands off of most of the stuff so we can handle it and you can handle your own business and we only have a limited amount of time to dedicate to your account uh if you listen to our previous episode on uh pricing your services we have a dedicated amount of labor hours to your time we can't to your account we can't spend it on the phone with you every single week and if that's an expectation that you have you're only going to be bleeding money and bleeding labor hours just handling this client and you're not going to be able to focus on your other clients who are actually a good fit for you, uh, who who let you do what you do. And that's one of the, we ran into that a lot in February 2021 because we were signing people on to our next tier package, that Rainmaker, which we talked about previously. And mm-hmm. it, it wasn't super successful because it was a higher tier SEO package that didn't was that wasn't fully fleshed out. So I think people didn't have the right expectations because we didn't set, really set an expectation or know what we were getting into uh, with that. And when we revamped our services, uh, it was the beginning of this year or end of last year, we really made the expectations clear with everything we offered. And we we haven't had a single problem since, have we? No, no, not, no, not like that. Yeah, not in that regard. Um, The other one kind of goes in line with it though too. It's that clients who are too demanding aren't going to be a good fit. What we found is as we figured that we so we actually thought that clients that paid or, or that didn't have a high budget were the most demanding and that clients with uh, more money thought that it was just, you know, another another few hundred dollars here and there like it was nothing to them. But that's what we thought. But when we ran into this issue in last year, it was it actually kind of seemed the other way around. It actually seemed like the clients that were kind of like the small to medium sized trusted us to do our thing. And then the bigger clients tried to strong arm us and muscle us into doing more work than what we wanted to or that, that we needed uh-huh. to. And yeah, it's almost like there's four tiers. Like that's how I describe it is you, you have the, the 1K threshold. 
So when people are under 1K, they're not as emotionally attached to the money. Um, they just don't take it as personally. Once you go, and and I should say too, we work with, we, we still work with a good number of owner operators. Um, we've gotten a lot more into marketing managers where they're, business has a a structure and then um, we don't work directly with the owners, but we still have a good number of that. And uh, when you break the 1K threshold, people become a lot more conscious and sensitive to that money until you hit like tier three. And that's when they're doing plenty well enough that it's no longer an emotional attachment. It's not as personal again it's is this a good financial decision uh and then tier four is it it just goes up from there you can you can have one of two things happen there it's people become super micromanagey and they want to eat up all your time and they feel entitled to a ton more partly reasonably so because of how much money they're spending but again depending on your positioning like ours is that as you scale and we do have a, a focus, especially right now on ad spend that depending on how you're scaling it up, it's not taking us a ton more time and we aren't charging an insane amount more either too, because we know that it doesn't take that much more time. So the value is in what you're buying in ads and, and what you get from that performance. So I think some sometimes clients won't have that click in their brain to realize that and it is because we charge for ad spend and then we pay for it ourselves too. So they they pay us the money. Other that's another thing that some people will do is they'll split it out. Well, they'll say you, know, you pay for your ad spend directly. You pay me to manage it, and then that's a little bit easier, I think, mentally for them to grasp that what they're paying you is just purely management fee. Or people who do SEO services too, because that's a similar type of deal. Well, it's, but, it's safer from a from an agency perspective too. If your client pays for the ad spend directly, it, this could be another topic, or we can just cover it here. But you know, there's a couple of ways to if you're if you're doing ad spend, if that's part of your business plan or your business model, you, let's say you're doing social media ad spend or you're doing Google ad spend, you can have it to where you're the one who handles the ad spend, and they and then you pre-bill them. It's just safer that way. Would you pre-bill them five hundred dollars for ad spend? You spend the ad spend, it goes under your credit card, then you pay it off with the five hundred dollars that they gave you that's what cody and i do yep. um the other option is you what a lot of agencies do is they handle the ad spend ahead and then they post bill their client which is risky because your client has the opportunity to not pay you and then you're out on that ad spend yeah don't do that really <laughs> uh, yeah i can't i think of very few instances where that's a good idea don't put yourself at that risk yeah the the third one is you just have your you do what cody said you split it out to where you do the management fee and then you have them pay for the ad spend the downside to that is you miss out on a lot of partner reward systems or partner rewards for it. So like Google ads, for instance, we have our manager account and then we have all of our client accounts under that and we control billing at the manager level. So mm-hmm. that goes, that all goes on to our credit card, which we're switching to invoice billing here soon. And uh, we pay for that. Therefore, you know, Google says, oh, Evergrow Marketing is the company that's spending, uh, you know, 20K a month in Google ads. Although um, you might, you might still potentially get credit. I can't remember. You might still get credit if it's linked. But the bigger thing is that uh, we actually just get cash back on the on the CC uh, true, itself. Yeah. Too. Like that's the big one. <laughs> well, two percent uh, cash back <laughs> on twenty thousand a month is like uh, what four hundred bucks a month just in cash back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So one of those things that you're finding with that then is all that the client sees mm-hmm. is that bill, that very large bill that goes to you, and then they don't they don't do the math to to think i mean even if it's line item that this is what i'm paying them in labor and this is what is just costs 
because ad spend itself is costs and they might feel more entitled when they don't really do the thinking about it and realizing what that means. So when that happens, you can end up working a lot more than either you plan for or more than is really worth keeping around. Yeah. I, we've had clients that were like, I'm paying you guys $3,500 a month. And it's like, no, you're paying us a thousand a month. You're paying Google <laughs> 2,500 a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yep. like, so yeah, we do, we do run into the issue and that is sometimes a, a problem, but um, it's one that gets squashed pretty pretty easily and especially if you're really transparent about all of your costs and your processes then it when we've had a client that just like they'll just grill us out of nowhere they won't communicate with us and then like three months later they start grilling us about all this stuff and then i'll just shoot them back an email that just like states literally everything and i won't hear from them and then next month when i hear from them everything's all peachy (laughs) (laughs) and i i think the the more you stay transparent the easier it is to manage some clients that might be a little bit more difficult but still might be a pretty good fit Uh, you you're the first person to say we should fire this client (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. well it's okay and the reason for that too is because when I left my day job, I told two guys that I would still, I still call them mentors. Like I don't, I don't talk to them regularly, um, but they were both my bosses at one point. And when we hit a rough spot and it's like, we don't really know exactly, or we just want a little bit of guidance on someone who's done it before. I'll ask them. And both of them told me before, before I made the jump that if you have a bad feeling or if you're second guessing, the answer is always no. It is never worth the money. No matter what you try to convince yourself of and think that in the end, when it goes bad, or if you just don't feel good about the deal, none of it's ever worth the money in the end. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So the whole, I mean, the whole purpose of this episode is to tell you that you can take on clients that will actually hurt your bottom line, um, usually in terms of labor hours. So you're they're just they're sucking the life out of you, and it sounds very subjective because it kind of is. But if you can look at it from a business standpoint, if you can quantify in a monetary sense how many labor hours you're spending on a client, then you can quickly see which clients are becoming the problem. Because if, if, if this is just you or just you and a business partner, start getting a team on board and realize that your team is spending so many hours on one particular client, they can't add more clients to their load. And that's a problem. That okay. is That client is, is robbing you of money. And, and kind of with that, I mean, we had the third one. So we had Two of them that two types of clients that aren't good fits. We had clients that don't have the right expectations and clients that are too demanding. Sometimes they're the same client. The third one I had was clients that don't have the right budget. So there's a lot of times where some prospects will come to us with an idea in mind that, hey, I need to grow my business and I need marketing to do that, specifically search engine marketing. And what I've come to see a lot of them that don't make under a certain amount or don't make above a certain amount is they're just not going to be a good fit because every single month it's going to be me having to justify what they're doing with us. And they they also have to realize that sometimes it takes time and it depends on what market you're in. We can drive leads to the site immediately, but it's not going to be as fruitful as another market might be, especially if they're in kind of a lower quality area, which is another kind of, which is another point too. Some clients 
if you're if you're doing certain industry, some clients in certain areas or certain fields of the industry might not be a good fit because it's just it, they're not in the right position to do it. They're not in the right geography. And at the end of the day, it's only going to hurt your image and the amount of time you spend on those clients. But going back to um, not having the right budget, one of the first questions I ask prospects when I get on the phone with them is, what are you doing in revenue? This is kind of a taboo question to ask, especially if you talk to kind of, you know, the older traditionalist boomer type business owner. <laughs> That's none of your business. <laughs> yeah. Really, especially <laughs> if they're a private company. But like I get to the I get to the point like, hey, if they don't tell me this, then they're not going to be a very good partner anyways. So I but I say it with confidence. I just say, what are you doing in revenue? Just like that. I don't try to beat around the bush. Just say it. Just ask it. And if you say it with confidence, then they're more likely to give it to you. Where if you kind of beat around the bush a little bit, it'll be a little bit more apprehensive. And they'll just kind of ask like, why are you asking me this? But if you just come out and say and say it, they're like, oh, this is a question that I'm supposed to be asked uh, in this in this um, little discovery call. Because as soon as they say, oh, I make less than 150000 as soon as they say under that, I say, I kind of lead off the pitch with, okay, well, we have a couple options. You can just have a website build with hosting that'll get you off your feet or that'll get you on your feet and, and ready. And then we can talk about when, if you want to go to a monthly marketing package, or you can go into monthly marketing and these are what you can kind of re- expect. If someone is under 50,000, for instance, like they just started their business this year, which we do get a couple of, they could be in a different unique position too. They could have just started this business, but have started other businesses and they could have cash capital for other businesses. And that's that's that could be a good client fit. But if if they're like, yeah, I just left my full time job and started this and you know I'm kind of bootstrapping, I usually turn them down and I say, hey, we're probably not going to be a good fit. I think what you need to do right now is you need to focus on uh, getting to a better revenue point before you bring on a marketing company because we're just going to bleed you dry. We're not going to bleed you dry in terms of, you know, you're not going to make an ROI, but your cash flow is going to be really limited. And I don't want to chase you down for the monthly bill. Yep. I think one of the surprising things was my initial thoughts when we got started uh, were that we would get a lot more guys in their 50s, even 60s that are on the edge of the digital change who know that these things are happening, these things are changing, and they need to adopt to stay relevant and we have some of that, but what really surprised me was the number of guys that were our age who don't need convincing. They don't need persuading. They know that this is massively important to the success of their business, that they have to do it and that it's not worth their time to do it themselves and that they're better off paying somebody else. That's a very different person than <clears throat> the guy who doesn't really fully value and appreciate digital, just knows that it has to be something that's done uh, in the business because that's where things are going. Um, and usually, too, those guys are harder to upsell because they're just going to fight you. Like they, they, they think that you're it's almost like they don't see the, that it can be mutually beneficial. They think that you're just out to get their money. But when you know, really most of the time when you say, hey, here's here's how this is mutually beneficial. If you put in more money, you will get this much more performance. Um, and yes, it does benefit us. But we're recommending it because it benefits you. But those guys fight it. And the younger guys are just like, nope, the math makes it checks out. Makes sense to me. Um, I don't need persuading. I don't need convincing. And that was a shocker to me. 
Yeah, that's another really good point is that the, the, the guys that don't truly understand or appreciate digital or whatever insert service that you're offering. And I always say guys, uh, a good chunk of our clients are women. Um, guys we just, and gals. we're just, yeah. We have specific examples in our head of, of clients <laughs> that have done this. And usually it's, it's men that are difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. I, we, we love our, um, our female clients. Yeah. Um, Keep in mind, guys, we, we work just, Think about it. How many women are going out and starting lawn care for landscaping companies? Right. <laughs> That's fair. Wait, we, we, do, we do work with women and they're in those businesses, but they're not usually the ones who have went out and, and started it. And not because they can't, but that's just not what we found. Yeah. It's, and, and they're the forward thinkers too. They're the ones that are like, no, we know digital works. Mm-hmm. Our husband doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, our husband, that sounds like sister wives, our husbands. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah um that's that's what you were saying too is is the the guys uh, i will use that term um that don't understand the effectiveness of digital or don't truly appreciate it they are difficult to upsell like cody said and upselling an existing client is phenomenally easier than onboarding and keeping and retaining a new one. And, and it, there's every study in the world out there will show you that is like 70% cheaper to maintain an existing client than hire a new one or, or onboard a new one. And if you have services that just kind of go up to the next level, let's say we have a suite. So we have ads that will essentially double our management fee. So double our gross profit with a, a client. That's essentially bringing on another client, but not... We don't have the workload of bringing on another client, but we our margin increased as if we did. And, you know, one way Cody and I, well, most mostly me, have been obsessed with our growth and we're trying to make the Inc. 5000 list. And I am looking at the numbers and saying, OK, this is how many how much we have to close every month until the end of the year to be at this goal so we can be at this goal next year. And then we look at how do we do that? Okay, well, we can onboard this many new clients or we can upsell this many existing clients or, you know, do a mix of that. And you start to realize what's easier because you do have some clients who really do trust you. And if you have a service that you can upsell, you can go to them and say, hey, I have this uh, really great service. I think you guys are in the market to uh, launch it or test it or however you want to pitch it and uh, you can get an upsold. We did that with uh, local service ads with Google and we finally figured out that whole fiasco mm-hmm. and we reached out to like like six clients and I think four of them signed up for it and it, it was just like, wow, our margin increased that much just by having to send an email. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep that in mind when onboarding a client, like is this client going to be fruitful to the relationship? Are they going to be easy to upsell because they trust you and they're and they're happy or are they not familiar with what you're selling and it's essentially this is just a a pay the bills account um which is what i call those accounts that that really don't add value other than you know making sure that your employees have work to do (laughs) yeah something that is a that's a pretty safe bet when it comes to knowing or really just thinking, having just being pretty sure that a client is a good fit is if they're a referral from an existing client, because they most likely have that talk already about what they can expect from you. So if an existing client refers a friend who then does the work to reach out to you too, as if they were inquiring, you know, not like a, not where you have to do the work back. That makes sense. 
but um, they usually have a, a pretty good understanding uh, of what to expect because if it got to that point where they were actually preferred and, and wanting to contact you and discuss, then that, that conversation has happened. So um, we don't have a ton of referrals. I think we talked about that before, but um, the ones that we have gotten, I think it turned out pretty good. Jake, do you agree? Do you disagree? You can say I'm wrong. Yeah, we we ha- we don't have a single um we haven't offboarded a single referral client or they're still on. But I I think, I think it's funny because we have this one client that was a referral to a client that we fired or a referral <laughs> of a client that we fired. And I was like, well, we're probably going to lose them too. Like shortly after it happened and a year later like they're still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 happier than ever. And in fact, I think in episode uh 2 or three or something like that, we just we mentioned how uh we actually just got an email from him about him breaking down his uh, profit and how he did it for the year in terms of leads and where they came from and uh-huh. uh, really complimented us without complimenting us. It was kind of weird. It was like very, it was like a very objective compliment. And like, I don't know whether to say thank you or this checks out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, it, that does lead into the next really good point, which is be okay with firing clients. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a very weird subject because not a lot of businesses do it because uh, they're afraid. And the uh, I, I keep I hear this phrase that I laugh at a lot, and it's it's a uh, fire better than you can hire. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what a terrible phrase! That is so awful. If you hired better than you fired, you wouldn't have to fire. Um, <laughs> and uh, but it, there is a little bit of truth to it, so. You do have to be okay with firing clients that are just dead weight or or causing your company to bleed in resources. So we've only done this once. We've talked about it like six times though. Um, and uh, it was with a client that we had. This Again, this was, uh, I think it was actually in May of 2021. They were with us for a yeah. few months. and About a year ago now. Yeah. And every time we had them on the phone, they were very nice and polite and great. But then we would just get these like really passive aggressive emails about uh, delays and work and promises that weren't met. And to, to his point, yeah, he, he did have a few points. And, you know, we owned up to it and we were like, yeah, we're extremely slammed and, and we're apologists. I think we even gave him discounts on things, too, because we're just like, hey, this is out of scope of us. And we gave you timelines of when this can happen and we didn't meet. And it was one of those other clients that were, they were too demanding and they had, didn't have the right expectations and uh-huh. wanted things that were out of scope. And, and, you know, we learned a lot just from this one client. Yeah. I think the, the like to sum it up, it reminds me of that clip from the big Lebowski. He's like, no, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Like <laughs> he had good points. Um, but we were transparent about it and yeah, there's okay. Little tangent. Um, something that bothers me that companies talk about when they, when they discuss culture. Everybody loves culture. They build up culture to be so much, and they're like, "Our culture is so important." I think culture develops. I think you don't get to be a tyrant and decide how your culture will create itself, um, but you do get to enforce the norms. So um, something that. Mark Reifenrath, when I was at Spinning Tech, would say was that in this, the first six months, anybody who's new is an attack on the culture because they haven't yet developed and understood the owner's philosophies on how they do business, what is acceptable, what is okay. Simple things like yelling or swearing in malicious ways or lying. Like in, in some environments, that's normal. That's very weird. A lot of that stuff I think is very strange. So when we get new people, we have to teach them 
what we think is okay and normal and healthy uh, and what, and, and what isn't what like it, it especially is not cool. Things like verbal abuse from clients. And I, and I know that's iffy because you can be like, mm, what constitutes abuse? But I think that is something that you have to make clear and, and tell people this isn't okay or that was pretty edgy. We're going to talk to them, things like that. Just make it known and don't start falling down this slippery slope. The other way I would say it too is Jake mentioned the financial costs of bad clients. You also have the emotional toll of bad clients who are a weight on you, but later on, even worse, a weight on your employees who learn to not like their jobs, not like their lives, not want to keep working for you. And that sucks. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it to yourself and don't do it to them. You want to create these good environments. And if you want to go a little further, you can say if these, if your clients talk to people in these ways, there's a decent chance that nobody's ever told them. They've just had people allow them to be walked over and never had anybody stood up and say, that's not cool the way that you're talking or that's not appropriate. That's not okay. What you're doing. So uh, they might get mad. And again, but if those are the kind of people that they are, you really don't want to be working with them. They're not good people to work with. Yeah. You told me on that one client that we had, they're like, you're like, I think this is a person who has never been punched in the face. And <laughs> we just punched him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he did yeah. not take it well that he was being fired by someone he was giving money to a lot of money to. And I remember, I did. I can't remember if we talked about this, but I remember, or you were asking me if we should get rid of them or keep them because they were uh, attributing a lot to our bottom line. And I just at the time, and I was like, I don't want someone else to run my business, mm-hmm. which means that like a really high paying client, because Cody and I have both worked at an agency where that was a huge thing. And um, that is not how I want to run. And I think if we lead by example and we say, no, we're not going to give you the opportunity to meet our employees because we value our employees and the work they put in and the loyalty they have. We want them to be happy. So we're just going to end the relationship now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it worked out a lot for us too, because what's also expensive from just labor hour standpoint is hiring and, yeah. and not being able to find the right people and training the wrong people. So if you get the right people in, you've got to keep them there and keeping them there doesn't just, isn't just like, the benefits you give them. It's also, it's also the things you prevent them from having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And bad clients is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. That's so big. I have so many flashback (laughs) stories. It's just, yeah, I, I just think that's, I know there's a lot. I mean, there's, I I do want to say though, that not every difficult to deal with client is, is worth firing. There are clients that it is better to fix a situation, remedy it, maybe do a little bit more just to get them happy. But at some point it's going to be too much and it's just better to end the relationship. Cody's very proactive on wanting to get rid of clients, (laughs) but that's also because like you don't, you're not a people person and well, I'm not technically either. I just, I can, I can be that way if I have to, which I do have to. But I, I remember I was like, well, we shouldn't just, you know, fire every client. Cause this client could be open up an opportunity to like, you know, a lot more business or referral. They're, you know, or they're a big person in the industry. We shouldn't just walk away from this. Let's see if we can salvage it. And in every single case, except for the one we have been able to, and mm-hmm. the relationship has been better, but there's 
a lot to consider before doing something like that, but you have to be objective and you cannot look at the financial capability alone or even the stress. The stress, I mean, some clients are just going to naturally be more stressful and sometimes you just got to suck it up and deal with it for a little bit and, and uh, you know, pull through and make things better. But if that lasts for too long or if, like Cody said, like there there is some very manipulative stuff going on from your client's end or they're swearing at you in emails or calls or they're straight up lying uh like we've had our previous client do then you know then yeah terminate there's some definitely some red flags and those are ones that you should terminate the relationship with Mm -hmm. i think that's all i had i think this is a relatively short one once we we cut out all of the uh stuff that we (laughs) want to cut out (laughs) yeah i wish i wish people could see Faye just rolling around in the background though that's kind of fun. Yeah, that was funny. I'm probably going to, I might cut it because I think it went on too long. That whole beginning is just going to be kind of, she's in heat. And so like, this is TMI, but her like vagina is super swollen. <laughs> so like if she has her tail lifted up, it's like, whole, it looks like IR baboon's butt on, from cow and chicken. I feel like that's yeah another thing where if I had died, never heard that, <laughs> that would have been, been okay. Um. All right. Well, everybody, I think that's it. Oh, actually, no, let's back up. Summarize. So, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. So just to summarize, there are, I have four things that are indicators of a client or prospect who would not be a good fit for us. And that is clients that don't have the right expectations. Either they weren't set in in their first place, or uh, you tried to expand your services or your offerings to get uh, a paycheck from this client. They're going to be too difficult to deal with. It's it's not going to be a good relationship. Don't do it. Uh, clients that are too demanding, again, this goes right in with expectations. They can't be too demanding if they know the right expectations. So set those. They won't be demanding. If they do become too demanding, go back to them and say, hey, you're being too demanding. I think in, I think in one of our more recent episodes or like episode four or five or something like that, we talk about making sure your clients know that it's be, you're that are being too demanding and that you're not just ghosting them. So just let them know. Be open and honest about that. Uh, the third one is clients that don't have the right budget don't try to sell somebody or make them give you money if they just don't have the budget uh let them move on help them give them direction of where they should be before they reach back out to you and that they'll they will come back when they get to that point we've had that happen to us but it's going to be better for you than to have someone on for a month and have to chase after their invoices and uh, also potentially they could be too demanding and uh, you know fall into the other two. The last one is be okay with firing clients. Don't fire every client that's difficult to deal with at a time, but pay attention to some of the red flags, swearing, lying, constant uh, demand, things like that. Uh, with that, that is episode 10. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. See ya. That's not how it ends, but that was friends. <laughs> <laughs>